Hey, Selfish Babe, if you've ever wanted to start your own podcast, I recommend trying Anchor by Spotify. It's the platform I love for podcasting. I really love it because some days you just want to get out what you want to say easily, and the Anchor app allows you to record your podcast right from your phone. One of my favorite things I love about Anchor is that you can add background music to each episode and cut audio quickly to add in advertisements. Anchor will distribute your podcast to all the major platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Anchor is free. To get started, go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. Maybe one day you'll be making millions from your podcast. Hey love, welcome to the Selfish Bay Podcast, aka Selfish Talk, hosted by me, Olenike O.C. Selfish Babe is a personal development and women's lifestyle brand dedicated to women learning how to selfishly and authentically love themselves. On this podcast, expect to have your mind expanded, curse words said, and to gain a new perspective about who the fuck you are. Let's get into it. Hey, beautiful Selfish Babe, it is your girl Olenike Osi here, and in today's episode, I'll be joined by beautiful Christine Gutierrez, who is a leading Latino psychotherapist, author, and speaker. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a little bit about her past and the childhood abuse that she experienced and how that brought her closer to self-love. You can follow her on Instagram at Cosmic Christine, or you can also check out her website at ChristineG.TV. I will also link her information below. Hello, let's get started. Welcome, welcome, beautiful selfish babe. It is your girl Olenike Osi back with another selfish talk. And today I am bringing on a wonderful, wonderful goddess by the name of Christine Gutierrez. Christine, say hello. Hello. <laughs> now let us know, let the selfish babe that is listening know who, what you're about. Yeah, well, I am all about women's empowerment and really holding space for the darker parts of our story, the shadow, um, talking about the root, our family trauma, our history, our life experiences that are scary to share, that bring up shame to share, that are often, you know, put away in secret psychological closets because we're scared to open the doors mm-hmm. and really being a guide for those women to hold them, to guide them, to navigate their inner psychological terrains, their spiritual soul, mm-hmm. and just kind of go on a journey to find out, you know, what are the pieces that have led them to acting um, in ways that hurt themselves further or replicated those, you know, early childhood traumas. Mm-hmm. And what would you, what do you do day by day? So I am my you know my title is that I I work as a licensed psychotherapist, um, mm-hmm. and I incorporate mindfulness techniques and what I call ancient wisdom, which for me looks like um, the priestess work that I've done. I did a priestess initiation. She was actually a Latina um, licensed clinical social worker who also ended up studying different spiritual paths. And one of them was the priestess training, which was really about um, connecting to the feminine archetypes, different archetypes um, so that we can reconnect to that divine self that has the face of a woman, not only the face of a man, which is pretty typical in more of the Christian kind of um, scriptures publicly, although we do have much more feminine faces when they've dug up um, historical remnants from 
uh, different texts like Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Um, but, but in general, it's kind of this combination of ancient wisdom and modern therapy and combining those two worlds together and, and guiding women back home to themselves. Mm. For the selfish babe that's listening that doesn't really understand what the shadow is, would you be able to explain what the shadow means? Yeah, so, you know, everyone has a different definition of it. For me, the shadow represents that part of our subconscious, our conscious that that is is hidden. So the conscious world, the conscious brain, meaning, you know, the things that you are already aware of that are up in front, in the front of your head, in the front of your mind, that maybe you're aware of already. And then the shadow oftentimes lives in that subconscious area where maybe you're not so aware of those patterns or personality traits. You know, some people call it character defects or, um, you know, the, the parts that have been hidden away from you being aware of it. Mm-hmm. And so some things can be, you know, um, maybe some shadow addictions, you know, things that you didn't even realize that, you know, were an addiction that are somewhere there as a result of something that you experienced in your life, or Mm -hmm. maybe a character trait that you're starting to realize, because we all have them and we all have a shadow. We all have those parts of us that are hidden, that are so obvious to us. And I think it's important for us to look at that because, you know, I think on a spiritual level, we're both, you know, light and dark and we have a human experience, right? So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I agree with you because like it was like a few days ago, um, I was looking up a book, just books on shadow work because I really want to dive more deeper into that. And um, I was really irritated by just hearing love and light. Love and light, love and light. That's all we talk about. That's it. And I'm just like, bro, like we have two sides to ourselves. We, there's duality. There's a light and a dark. And so I was like, I don't feel like there's enough people that talk about the shadow side. I think it's a lot of light. And I think positivity and all that, great. It's, it's all great. But I was like, how can we bring it together to make it more of an authentic experience? Because I find that there's a lot of women that say, okay, I can sit and I'll try to do affirmations or I'll push my feelings away so I can't, I don't feel like sad and stuff. And I'm like, no, you can feel how you feel. It's not about pushing your emotions aside and it's not about ignoring them. I think when you start ignoring your emotions, that's not really healthy, but it's about having some balance. And so I'm really glad that um, you are doing the shadow work and that you brought that up. And I also want to ask another question for the selfish babe that does not know what a priestess is. How would you describe a priestess? So for me, a priestess represents uh, the feminine energy, you know, and I think that although we use the words feminine and masculine, I believe that it goes beyond gender. Um, I think that, you know, it gets a little bit confusing, but um, I consider it the energy of the feminine, which is about receiving, which is about surrender, which is about, you know, um, the the symbol of the yoni, the vagina, and phallic energy um the lingam right like there's this masculine which is the penis in you know in the traditional sense and the feminine the the vagina which is the the embodiment of the yoni right the the receiving and so you know a man has both uh that's born in a physical male body can be um you know have have both the feminine and the masculine and we all do 
And um, for me, Tantra, which is part of also the work that I've studied, it explains that the universe itself is kind of that representation. It's a macro, the microcosm of the macro, right? Like that, that we are explaining these things that are out there in the universe within our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. So that the male and female, the stars and the moons, it lives within our body, that this mm -hmm. inhale, exhale becomes, you know, um, this interchanging of that phallic energy and that yoni energy. My, yeah. my tantra teacher would say that the, the back of the throat is like the yoni and that as we inhale, we're receiving in the penetration of the universe. You know, so that we're making love in the, the back of our throat. That's so descriptive. I love it, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of the universe. I love it. Yeah. Her name was Psalm. Um, she's passed now. Um, but she, you know, she taught me that. Psalm is Adora. And so, you know, going back to that word priestess, for me, priestess is the embodiment of that feminine. Mm. And so the feminine has many faces. And in different traditions, he looks different and sounds different and embodies different characteristics that when we, oops, sorry. <laughs> no problem. That's her doggy, y'all. <laughs> That's my baby Bodhi. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you know, you okay, babies? <laughs> sorry, guys. That's real life. That's my baby. So I gotta, <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So the feminine is all about, you know, that, she's going to look different in different traditions. And that, that, that quality of, of a woman, sometimes we forget that, you know, so I grew up Catholic. I, I grew up, you know, um, with a very kind of limited understanding of the different faces of the feminine in the more in Hindu um, faith, right. In Hinduism, they have many different faces of the feminine and she represents many different characteristics. And in Catholicism, for instance, we have like the virgin and the whore, yeah. but there was, there wasn't as much detailed and uh, representation of all the different emotions that can make up a woman. And as we know, we're, we're deeply emotional women. And so um, I remember, you know, I share this story a lot, but I, but I remember intuitively knowing that I was missing something as a child studying Catholicism and I went on strike. I was like nine years old and I was like, I'm not doing the Our Father anymore. I'm only doing the Hail Mary. Yeah. And so, you know, I did that because I was craving that feminine. And so the priestess, um, you know, I've learned about many different priestesses, you know, yeah. priestesses from Hindu faiths, from Yoruba faith, from African faiths, you know, from from the Taino goddesses. Mm -hmm. And so what I've realized is that there's, there's in each of our cultures, there's so much medicine and we can yeah. learn from all of them yeah. and really see, you know, does that, does that um, goddess, can I, can I find medicine in what she represents? You know, the, mm -hmm. the goddess Kali, is there something that she holds that I want to learn from? Just like we have mentors in life, yeah. these archetypes, and help heal us on a subconscious level and also bringing that into our everyday lives yeah and um if you were to explain to the selfish babe listening like if she wanted to dive deeper into figuring that out figuring more about those feminine archetypes what would your suggestions be well i think that you know we most of us um are blessed to have, um, you know, internet Wi-Fi. If you're not, you know, find a local library or something where you can go or, you know, find a book. Yeah. But I would say to go on a, 
on a journey and be curious. You know, I like to tell people to activate that curiosity within themselves and go on a little hunt, you know, Google archetype, you know, yeah. uh, find, find books on archetypes, on the goddess archetypes. Carl Jung um, has books. Um, there's a wonderful book by Clarissa Pinkola Sees, um, who's a Jungian psychotherapist and a cantadora, a storyteller. Mm. She has the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves. I have that book. <laughs> Isn't it so good? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So, you know, and it's kind of hard to dive into. It's very dense. So, you know, the audio book is also an amazing option mm. um, because she actually reads it and, and her voice is amazing. But, um, you know, just go on a journey and, and look up what resonates with your spirit, you know, mm. what resonates with your vibe and, and learn you know, learn from them. You know, I love to just know that they exist out there. You know, you don't have to worship them. You know, people that are, you know, that are worried about conflicting. You could just learn, yeah. learn from them. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that, um, I know for me, um, it was like, okay, you're done with school and you're done with learning. And no, you're, you, you have just started. Now that you're out of school, you are, now you can, you feel free. You can learn at any point in time. So I definitely agree with Christine when she says, to just feed that curiosity and to learn. And like she said, if, if I, I've said it enough times, but Google is my best friend. So if Google That's is right. my best friend, you should start acquainting yourself with Google. So start Googling stuff. But I really want to start diving into the podcast as to why I brought Christine on here today. And usually when I bring women guests on, it's so that they can share their own personal traumatic story or, per, or perceived obstacle that they may have gone through in life that brought them closer to self-love. So Christine, you have the floor. Uh, what traumatic story or perceived obstacle would you like to share with us today? So, yeah, I think it's so important for us to talk about these things and reduce the shame around, you know, our stories, right? So for me, I grew up in, in Brooklyn, in Bushwick, and um, I am born and raised here, uh, New Yorican, and my family, <laughs> my family's ancestors are, you know, from Puerto Rico on both sides. Um, and I grew up both with my parents, my mom and my dad, they split up when I was three. And I think that was the first traumatic event that I went through. Yeah. Um, I remember my mom sharing stories that I would cry begging for my dad, like, where is he? You know, why can't he come and, you know, help change my pamper, whatever it was that I wanted at that age. And, and, you know, that, that lives in the body, even if I can't consciously remember that. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, um, my, my grandparents took care of me a lot. And um, while my parents were working, you know, full time. And I remember, you know, the first abusive memory that I can remember, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot that are probably repressed was being in my grandparents' house and I was about to eat food. I don't remember if it was pancakes or um, like waffles. Um, It was some kind of food. And I had this little like fold out table that they would put for me in front of the, you know, the TV and eat there. And my dad came and, um, you know, he was like, you're not eating or something along the lines of I wasn't eating. And he was upset. And he took the plate of food and shoved it in my face. And I remember the feeling in that moment of, you know, the shock, right? The shock that went through my system of like, but I didn't do anything wrong. I just wasn't that hungry yet. Um, And the, 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 
in that moment, you don't have words, you don't have language, your caregiver, your primary caregiver is supposed to, you know, protect, make you feel safe and make your reality make sense. And when you go through trauma like that, like I did, I didn't know my world was shook. So what was supposed to be good or bad was completely taken from me. So it, I, I describe it as like living in a house of funny mirrors where you look at yourself and what you see is not what is the reality because mm. that those rules, right? There were no rules that made sense. There was no, if you do this, this is the equal crime for your punishment. It was, yeah. I have a dis, you know, anger in my body as a parent and I can't control my rage and I'm going to take it out on you. Yeah. And, um, you know, the second uh, detailed uh, memory that I can remember was in that same house on Hart Street in Brooklyn. Um, I was in this small hallway where like, you know, we had this like hallway where like a little office space for me to do homework. I was like a straight A student, you know, um, and I say that to say that, you know, as a child, the most things you would normally want from a kid are to be a good kid and do good in school, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, would, that would be what, what makes sense. Um, but that wasn't the case for me. And so um, I remember I had this eraser, this like pink eraser that, um, you know, shaped, I forget, it's like a little rectangular shape. Yeah. Like, you remember those? Those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was using that to erase something. I think it was like math homework or something mm-hmm. and erase. And it left like a streak of pink on my loose leaf paper. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad saying something like, you know, what are you retarded? Like, why would you do that? And then taking my homework and scrunching it up and throwing it on the floor. Wow. And, you know, that was just one of the lighter memories, you know, then I remember, you know, being like suffocated um, with a pillow over my face um, because I didn't get up in the morning, like not enough to for me to not breathe, but like shoving a pillow in my face, like, you know, get the fuck up, get the fuck up. Like so much trauma, so much violence, you know, punching the door, um, then apologizing afterwards, you know, calling me names, you know, what are you retarded? Were you living with your dad this time or he just came up at different times? So I, I grew up with both my parents, like, although they weren't in the same house. So I grew up with my mom primarily until I was around like, I think 13. And then I moved to my dad's house because my mom, although she wasn't um, physically abusive, um, she was emotionally distant and didn't really know after I stopped needing her, right? Like around the age of individualization, she didn't with me and all of my emotions and all of my feelings and so she inevitably tried the best she could to to bring me closer but I was so angry that I was taking my anger out on her and um at that point I I didn't realize that until years and years later but I was you know replaying the 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 trauma that I had already had from the abuse from my father you know in those moments that I shared with like the food and the homework and and I didn't it wasn't acknowledged so I wasn't getting that support that I needed emotionally when you say say it wasn't acknowledged are you saying that the abuse that your father was giving wasn't acknowledged by anyone yeah Mm -hmm. by by so although internally I knew this was wrong you need an external source to validate that experience to know that as a child you're not crazy that you're seen you're heard and that you're protected did you did you say something about it and they just didn't believe you I mean, I was very vocal, even to my father, like I remember screaming and getting mad. I wasn't, you know, some children like shut down or some children um, emote outwardly. I was one of the ones that would emote outwardly like this is wrong. This is abusive. Yeah. You know, I'm 
all the cops on you. Um, but in between those traumatic moments, it was as though it didn't happen, right? So like, I would have to get myself together, go to school. And generally, beyond that, they were also very loving, right? I had a lot of love in my house as well. So it was both abuse and love, which mm -hmm. makes it even more... Yes, because it could be confusing. It's very yeah. confusing. Absolutely. So it was confusing, um, you know, as fuck. <laughs> and I think that um, most children that have gone through trauma would explain their experience as confusing. Yeah. Um, and so from that experience, um, I, you know, it was a lot of ups and downs in the household, a lot of, you know, sorries and going back and forth. And, and again, this is the negative parts of it. Um, what made it more complicated was that my dad was very loving to me as well. Um, that the majority of the time it was love and taking me out to go shopping and like, you know, telling me you could do anything and you could be anything. There was a lot of um, words of validation as well in other areas, but it was when he was explosive, he was a, you know, ex-cop um, at the time, a cop yeah. and really programmed. And what my father has now shared with me was, you know, I'm so sorry for all that I did. I parented with fear. I thought by scaring you that I would help you because I wanted you to be perfect. I wanted to protect you so much because I love you more than anything. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not to invalidate my experience because what's wrong is wrong. Uh, but to understand, you know, now in retrospect, like this, that was his craziness projected. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that experience led me to, you know, my, my work with others, yeah. you know, as a therapist, as a healer, and specializing now in women that have gone through trauma, verbal, emotional, physical, and sexual, um, and how those patterns play out as an adult in the choices that we make and how we view ourselves. At what point in your life um, were you like, this is the work that I want to do? Um, from a very early age, I always felt connected to spirit. Um, even before, you know, any of the abuse happened, I just always felt like connected to suffering, human suffering yeah. and wanting to help. I didn't know that the word therapist existed, but I knew that doctor existed. So I was like, I want to be a doctor. I want to help people. Yeah. And, um, my, my connection to prayer and, um, you know, and, and under wanting to know more, you know, about people's stories was evident from a young age. My mom said that I would go up to like strangers on the street and ask them, you know, or, or homeless people that I would beg her to go up to homeless people and ask them like, what happened to you? Where's your mom and dad? Like, yeah. what, why are you here on the street? And I think that from an early age, I didn't know, but that there was always this calling to heal mm -hmm. and to help those that were marginalized, those that were suffering, those that didn't have a voice, those that were lost. Yeah. And, and then when coupled with my, own experience with pain it led me to deeper understanding deeper compassion you know and deeper motivation to make a change to stop yeah. these patterns yeah um, those that are able to stop them that I wanted to help you know as many people as possible to stop those patterns and then you know um before in you know in high school it was very clear that I already knew I wanted to to help yeah um, as a healer as a teacher as a um as a guide for people yeah um, I, I keep thinking about when you kept saying, you know, your dad was like, I parented you with fear. And it, it's a it's a it's a very interesting line. I think it's a very impactful line. And when was it in your life that you guys had that conversation of 
you know, growing up, I didn't like this or growing up, you did this. Like when did you have that? Yeah, I love that question. Um, You know, our story is one of the, the better ones, right? Because we actually had this moment where we were able to to change, right? There was a, there was a story of um, transformation, not only for me, but for my dad, he always says I'm his greatest teacher in life. Mm. Um, And uh, my dad is a wonderful, loving man who also has severe anger, rage um, within himself and didn't have the opportunities to actually heal like, like I do now. But um, we did speak and it was in college, um, undergrad. And I remember it clearly we were on like a highway we were in his jeep cherokee and um i remember saying to him you know i'm in an abusive relationship with this mr m um because of you and because of what you showed me in my childhood that made me not love myself not respect myself and not think i was worthy of love and so i'm looking for love in all the wrong places because of you and I was shouting this at this time in the car, like yelling at him with tears in my eyes. And like, he was in an abusive relationship with a woman at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, you know, this is your karma that you're replaying, you know, like that you feel that you deserve because of what you've done. Like there's, there's healing that needs to happen here. And like, I, I know that I'm an adult, a young adult, and that I have to break free from this. And I will despite you, but I want you to know that I will never fucking speak to you again. And I will disown you as my father. If you ever, ever call me a name again in your Mm -hmm. life. And um, it was that moment, you know, that for us, it was a very clear moment. I think once he almost slipped one time, like years later, and that was it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. What did he say after you said that? I mean, he was like shocked. And I think he was also like, you know, I like, he never wanted to hurt me. It was a compulsive, you know, anger and rage that he had within him. So I think, you know, my dad, again, he always loved me through all his time, gave me everything I wanted or needed in many other ways. Yeah. So like, it was these moments of rage that he was powerless over. Yeah. And I think it shook him to his core. You know, I was in a very abusive relationship. I had to leave the school. I got arrested. I mean, it was crazy. Mm. And, um, when he saw that, that like, this is really fucking up my life. I think it, I think it woke him up. And I think he realized like, I'm going to lose my daughter Yeah. You know, from that day. You know, he would say things like if he didn't know how to respond to something, he would say, you know, honey, I don't know what to respond. I'm not really good at this, but I just know that I want the best for you. I think that's so, a good response. Yeah. <laughs> he would just be like, you know, I'm not good at this and I'm unhealthy. And he would even say, I'm too unhealthy to give you advice, but I love you. I like that. And I like the honesty in that. You know, I'm trying to say like, that's, for me, that's freaking beautiful because I feel like, for example, in the past, when your father would do those things, maybe he wasn't able to say that. He wasn't able to verbalize that. And so he did what the actions that came to his mind. But now I feel like he's in a place where he can at least say, hey, I, I don't I don't know what the answer is here, but I love you. And for me, that's honesty because you're being honest about what you don't know and what you can give and where you're at. And for me, that's that's a beautiful progression. Like history, that's a transformation. So I think that's that's wonderful. And I had a question. So you were saying in in college you were in a very abusive relationship, and when you were talking to your dad about it, 
do you feel like there's a huge connectivity from what your dad did when you were younger to you growing up being on your own and then being in a relationship with a with a guy like did you feel like at that point in that relationship um that that was love for you i knew that it was toxic love yeah you know in that in that relationship but i was compulsive to that you know as therapists call repetition compulsion which is like that replaying of that earlier trauma in another form Mm -hmm. in an attempt to heal that original wound so I was in my head aware that uh that it was not right yeah but my body my spirit my bones were not yet able to stop you know me acting compulsively and going back to that person despite knowing that it didn't feel good because I was really desperate to fix it and make it work and you know again um I can only say this you know 10 years later and you know plus you know that I chose that relationship to heal dark wounds and shadows and like it was the perfect person to do that with you know I, it's a very complicated and deeper conversation that, you know, that we can talk about for a whole nother hour, but basically, you know, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, you know, focusing on, you know, one way. And for the beginning part of my healing, I had to focus on, he did this to me, you know, like I, like all the pain that that person, that relationship caused me. And then I also then had to, once I was emotionally ready to, right? Like there's a, you can't skip those steps. Then I was able to authentically in a grounded way, in a true way, go back and say, what was it about me that was abusive to that person? You know, like I got to see how we were both two wounded people feeding the darkness in each other. And some people will do that to you. You know, I, I still think that as much healing as you have, there's just some people that are not meant for you because they bring up too much of your wounds. Mm. And those are not the people that make you feel safe. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean you need to do more work and more work and more work and stay and stay and stay. It means sometimes you have to realize, you know, this person activate too much of it. Yeah. That it's at a point that is unhealthy for me. Yeah. And that is, I bless you. I've done my work. But the biggest lesson I learned was I can't do this with you. I deserve peace. I don't need to be triggered this much. Yeah. And I think, that, you know, going back to what you were saying in this light world of spirituality, that mm-hmm. there's, you know, a, a dangerous um, philosophy of, you know, the law of attraction and only, you know, not understanding, you know, the, the deeper implications. I'm okay with understanding that your consciousness brings to you what you want and all that. I agree with that, but not in the way of saying, if you've gone through trauma, you can't believe that you just attracted it and then blame yourself more. Yes. You, you, you are replicating patterns, right? Mm. But to say you attracted something and it gives the energy that you deserved it. Yeah. Are, already bringing more pain onto you and that's not helpful yeah and I think I'm so glad you mentioned that because I mean there's I think there's a lot of people that do talk about that where it's like um but you brought that onto yourself you have to take responsibility that you attracted that into your life and blah 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 and I've I've always had a hard time swallowing that because I do believe in the law of attraction I do believe we bring things into a life that we want but I'm like well what about those 
bad experiences. Do I tell a woman that was raped that you brought your rapist on? You know what I'm trying to say? That sounds so fucked up. You know what I'm trying to say? So I'm just like, well, how do you tell people, oh, you brought this person, well, not this person, but how you brought this experience into your life because that's what you were putting out. So yeah. Say what are you what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that there's two conversations at once. You know, when you're talking about, you know, um conversations that aren't an assault against you, right? You know, your a rape, uh, a abuse, uh, you know, trauma, right? When you're talking about like, oh, you know, this experience that you brought into your life might be a lesson for you. That's great. You know, like you can, you can accept that. But when you're talking about deep trauma, yeah, it is psychologically and emotionally abusive, whether it's from a spiritual teacher, whether it's from a spiritual text or anyone for someone to say, you brought that upon yourself, right? You attracted that in that simple way. That needs more context. You know, what you need to say is, you know, um, no one deserves what you experienced. Yeah. You know, let's understand how trauma works. It is not helpful for a trauma survivor to be told that they attracted this to them. In psychology, we talk about repetition compulsion, which is playing an earlier wound in an attempt to heal it. Yeah. But what we're saying by that is it's not your fault. We're, we're giving context. We're saying, you know, there's certain emotional inner uh, nervous systems shifts that happened that put your body in a state of shock that have not taught your picker to pick, right? That have registered unsafe people as safe. And we're going to help validate you and support you in figuring out what actually is safety. And the first way we're going to do that is by recreating a safe space yeah. And usually that's not a therapist or healer, you yeah. know? And so, um, it's too simple, yeah. you know, it's too simple and too dismissive and, and misleading and dangerous. And so a lot of people that are reading these spiritual texts are seeing this and saying, you know, well, I must have attracted this and using these spiritual tools in a way that's not meant to be used, you know? Yeah. So that's I think it's important for people to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Glad you said that. Cause I've always had a hard time to say, oh, I don't know about that. That seems so a little dangerous right there. So I'm glad you said that. Um, I'm trying to see what else I want to ask you. How did you think that the experiences that you went through now with all that you went through, whether it be your father, whether it be the past relationship, how did that bring you closer? How would you say that brought you closer to self-love in your own personal life? I mean, I, I had to um, fall many times, you know, and I, uh, in big ways, you know, you know, going back to that abusive guy, acting out with alcohol, numbing my feelings that came up as a result of that pain. And what I call all of that is, you know, just ways to numb, right? Like uh, ways to act out of alignment with my spirit, not because I wanted to, but because I was in so much pain that that was my tool at the moment. Yeah. You know, moving from that experience, I, um, it showed me that, you know, there was still this part of me, I call that part of me, my soul, my soul voice, right? Yeah. That, that instinctual part of us that has both the desire to live and survive. Yeah. And that part of us that has that instinctual desire to live is not only to live by basic needs, it's to live spiritually, it's to live as a creative 
you know, passionate, um, alive, loving, compassionate, really, you know, intimate person. And mm -hmm. there was a part of me that was, that part of me was there. And that part of me saved me because it kept on whispering, you know, um, you deserve more. This can't be it, right? Like yeah. get help and yeah. keep getting help no matter how many times you fall. And that's exactly what I did. It led me on a path of, you know, continuing to say like, I can't live like this, yeah. you know, and it keeps doing that. And there's deeper ways, you know, I think that for the large part of my life, it was really serious, serious life or death situations. I think that I was putting myself in. Yeah. And I think now thank God, you know, the lessons are less gruesome, right? It's more like, you know, how can I deepen my health? You know, can I eat better? Can I take care of my body better? Can I, you know, um, nourish myself with vitamins? But for a long time, it was, you know, I'm going to die because I am emotionally in an abusive relationship that's spiritually draining me and leading me to be around bad people, bad things, and bad choices, like, you know, drinking, to the point where I would end up places where, you know, I didn't even know where the hell I was, yeah. you know, and who I was with. And so, you know, I'm sober now. I, you know, that's been part of my self-love journey, but there's been so many pieces of it, you know, going to therapy, finding healers, getting sober, um, walking away from abusive guys, going back to it, getting back up again and having to love myself through all of that yeah. and never doing it alone. Right. Like there's yeah. been so many teachers I've had along the way. Um, and, you know, I get to do that for women now as well, um, which is also part of my healing. Giving back is a way that I heal myself, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm grateful that, you know, that I got to go through this journey, yeah. that I got to know how it feels to be so out of alignment with my spirit and what it feels like to be so in alignment with my spirit and yeah. being in a happy, healthy relationship, you know, getting to live in you know giving back of service to women that need it and knowing what they're really going through so i never invalidate them and say you know no you know how could you do this right yeah. like it's like no, i get how you could do this so it's 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 really led me to a life beyond my wildest dreams now um and i still struggle with you know practicing self-care but at least they're not destructive in yeah. the way that it be. and so i i tell people that you know they're there is hope, right? There is hope throughout this all. Um, the relationship that you that you are currently in, and the relationship that you were in, what is it like? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, it's so it's like being with a demon. Yeah, like literally a demon embodied in a human. And I remember my ex, who was abusive, saying to me you know, um, I'm like a demon mm. and you're like an angel. He literally said that to me. Wow. So he knows, he knows himself. He knew what he was at that time. Yeah. Tortured, right? Like tortured spirits. You know, it's yeah. not like, um, just because we can understand someone's pain, like he's gone through a lot and I wish him the best, you know? Yeah. Um, but some people just won't make it, you yeah. know, and that's that reality of it. Um, and so you have to distance yourself from those that are not ready or willing to commit to yeah. their healing or dangerous for you. So, I mean, it's literally like comparing being with a devil, you know, the, a demon um, embodied in a human and being with an angel embodied in a person, you know, mm -hmm. um, now no one is perfect, right? Yeah. Like I'm not saying that there's, you know, a perfection in anything, but there's a, a certain perfection in being with a man, my partner now who 
loves healing, that loves, you know, that goes to couples therapy with me, that is committed to his own individual growth, who already loved people, who already was kind, who already was compassionate before he met me. Yeah. Uh, the kind of man who like stops and talks to a homeless person and like puts his hands on his back and says, you know, Hey, how's it going friend? You know, like, are you having a bad day? Like what's going on? Talk to me. Yeah. You know, the kind of man who never puts me down, who never calls me names, who only is interested in lifting me, supporting me, loving me and loving himself. Yeah. Right. Because you can't give what you don't got. Exactly. And so he's someone that is, is on a path you know, already of loving himself and willing to do the internal work yeah. to be the man that he wants to be in the world. And so I'm doing that for myself as well. And, you know, what a coincidence, you know, that the divine would bring us together. Like I thank God every day that, you know, I get to be in this kind of love mm. and knowing what destructive love looks like makes you appreciate it all the much more. Shame. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I do, you know, I, I tell people I'm not into the kind of feminism that like puts down men and says we don't need them. Exactly. I'm very cool. You know, I love my men. I, I think that they are beautiful, sacred creatures just like we are and yeah. that deserve to be honored and bowed to. He's my king. I'm his yeah. queen. Oh, love, you know, and like, um, and that I have every responsibility to do the same for him to uplift his spirit. Yeah. to make him feel honored, devoted to, supported, just the same way he does for me. Yeah. Uh, and that we need all of us healed so that we can be in partnership and create children yeah. and, you know, and love out of something different than what we've gone through. And, you know, that's, that's the goal for me is, you know, is that relationships are my number one priority with myself, yeah. with divine source that gives me my, clarity and then with my partner and my family and my my doggy who's like my baby <laughs> um but yeah I like that um so for the selfish babe that is listening if you are just not in a good good relationship if you are in an abusive relationship I will let you know and Christine will let you know there is hope out there like there's a different type of love that you are not may not be experiencing right now and it's definitely out there and I can attest right. to that as well and I've talked about it before with my past uh, relationship I used to be married not anymore but in that marriage it was very very unhealthy okay and at one mm. point I had to be like um if I had a daughter would I want my, my daughter to be in this relationship and the answer was no and um I left that relationship and the relationship that I am in now is just as Christine has has described is wonderful it's like night and day that I mean when I say like arguments and fights barely ever ever like I'm, I'm just like for in the other relationship it was like every other day every other day I'm crying throwing things like things were just not not together but I just want to let you know there is hope out there so if you are in the process or thinking about leaving your relationship because it's just not serving you then um, I highly suggest that you make the best choice for yourself now That's right. um, Christine I know you talked about the work that you are doing in terms of helping and healing women. And I know you do retreats. Would you be able to explain that a little bit? The retreats that you do do. Yes. Yeah, so I have an annual retreat um, called the Diosa retreat and Diosa is a Spanish word for goddess. And that retreat um, is every July, the third weekend of July. And I'm going to be 2018 is my 
seventh annual one, which is sold out. And I'm already signing up people for 2019 for the third week of July. So if you feel called, um, that's available for you. And you could do like the longest payment plan ever. Um, <laughs> so that's the whole year, y'all. <laughs> I want to make it affordable for people. Um, but anyway, that is a deep spiritual surgery. You know, the Diosa retreat is for the woman that wants to literally shed from pain and shame and trauma in an experiential way and really heal alongside like-hearted, um, diverse, amazing women who are there for the same purpose to heal deep. Um, I say this is re- this is for the woman that's um, ready to go deep and that is willing to shed and purge. Mm-hmm. This is not like a meditation yoga retreat where you're just like going to escape your problems for the weekend. It's a deep dive. It's a spiritual yeah. surgery. <laughs> yeah. So it's for that, it's for that kind of healing. And, um, I do other retreats. I do a mastermind called the Diosa mastermind. Mm-hmm. And that's for the woman that's already done the heavy lifting. That's already liberated, come back home to herself thriving. And it's like, I'm good. I yeah. want to go into the night. I want to enjoy all the work that yeah. I freaking did. Cause that was meant to be enjoyed. Right. Yeah. So like, I want to go to Bali and that's where we do it now in Bali. And, um, it's something that, you know, um, if all goes well, we will continue to do. And that's for the woman that wants to step into her leadership, into her soul purpose, into her giving back to the world, um, for the change makers out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so those are those retreats and I always have information. Um, I know you're going to link my website, so it'll all be there. Christine yeah. And I, you know, I do different retreats based on whatever spirit says, you know, the Diosa retreat has been one that sticks because it just has worked, you know, have changed and, and, and people have said, you know, that it saved their lives. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can't even imagine that, that, you know, that that retreat does that it's, it's, it has its own energy at this point that goes beyond that that I'm so grateful for that the divine used me as a a vessel to, to do the work. And, um, yeah, so it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for just joining me on this podcast and sharing your story, Christine. I do want to ask you one last question before we go. I want you to finish this sentence with whatever comes to your mind, okay? The sentence is, sometimes self-love is crappy. (laughs) And why do you say that? So sometimes self-love sucks. Like sometimes it's like literally the last thing that you want to do. It's the hardest thing sometimes, especially for those that go through mental health illness or like really struggling with a lot of different things. It sometimes it sucks. It's like, I want to sit in my isolation. I want to sit in my darkness. I don't have the energy to do the thing that I know is good for me. And, you know, a lot of people talk about like this opposite action, right? Like if I feel like, I want to isolate. Let me call someone. If I feel um, like I don't want to, you know, take a bath, let me, you know, text someone and say, you know, I don't feel like showering and, you know, but I really know that's going to make me feel better. You know, can I get a push to do that? Right. Like mm-hmm. going to therapy, you know, and, and so, yeah, sometimes self-love is gruesome. Sometimes self-love is really hard, yeah. but it's always worth it. Mm-hmm. It's always, worth it. Um, yeah. and I, yeah. And we don't have to do it alone. I like that a lot. So would you suggest the opposite action thing? Yes. And if you're not able to do that, you know, um, if you know a friend is struggling or if you know someone is, you know, 
going through something, ask them if they need a little bit of help to do it. And if you yourself need that help, you know, hopefully you can hear this or get some sort of moment of hope where you can say, let me just do this one thing and hire, get a therapist, you know, yeah. psychology today is a great resource. Um, you know, Google sliding scale, uh, therapist in your neighborhood and get support because we need it. You yeah. know, I totally yeah. agree with you. Thank you, beautiful Christine, for joining us on the Selfish Talk podcast today. I will definitely link all your information below. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, beautiful. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Selfish Babe Selfish Talk podcast. If you feel like this episode has helped you in any way and you think that it could be impactful to a girl or a woman that you know, definitely send this episode to her. Also, make sure to download our Selfish Babe app to receive self-love inspirational messages throughout your day found in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. You can also head over to our website, SelfishBabe.com, to join the community, find out about our Self-Love Academy, and to shop our apparel. You can follow at SelfishBabes with an S on Instagram, or you can also follow me on Instagram at Elsie. I affirm that you have an amazing day. I will connect with you on the next episode. Episode and I love you. Mwah.